0: Section Eleven of the Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabriel Glenn. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith, Chapter Seven. The Horse Garavin. Now they descended leisurely the slopes of the mountain, and when they were again in the green of its bays, Nurna called to the ass, Ho, Karaz, sniff now the breezes, for the end of our journey by night is the meadows of Melistan. Forward in thy might, and bray not when we are in them, for thy comfort's sake. The ass sniffed. Turning to the four quarters and chose a certain direction and bore them swiftly over hills and streams eddying in silver over huge mounds of sands where the tents of Bedouins stood in white clusters over lakes smooth as the cheeks of sleeping loveliness by walls of cities mosques and palaces under towers that rose as an armed man with the steel on his brows and the frown of battle by the shores of the pale, foaming sea, it bore them, going at a pace that the Arab on his steel outstrippeth not. So when the sun was red, and the dews were blushing with new light, they struggled from a wilderness of barren, broken ground, and saw beneath them, in the warm beams, green, peaceful, deep, the meadows of Melistan. They were meadows dancing with flowers, as it had been fresh damsels of the mountain, fair with variety of colors that were so many gleams of changing light as the breezes of the morn swept over them, lavish of hues, of sweetness, of pleasantness, fur for the souls of the blessed. Then after they had gazed a while, Binurka Binnurka said, In these meadows the horse Garawin roameth at will, Heroes of bliss bestride him on great days he is black to look on speed quivers in his flanks like the lightning his nostrils are wide with flame there is that in his eye which is settled fire and that in his hoofs which is ready thunder when he paws the earth kingdoms quake no animal liveth with blood like the horse garavine he is under a curse for that he bore on his back one who defied the prophet now to make him come to thee thou must blow the call of battle and to catch him thou must contrive to strike him on the fetlock as he runs with this musk ball which i give thee and to tame him thou must trace between his eyes a figure or the crescent with thy forenail. when that is done bring him to me here where i await thee and i will advise thee further so she said go and shibli bagarag showed her the breadth of his shoulders and stepping briskly towards the meadows, was soon brushing among the flowers and soft mosses of the meadows, lifting his nostrils to the joyful smells, looking about him with the broad eye of one that hungereth for a coming thing. The birds went above him, and the trees shook and sparkled, and the waters of the brooks and broad rivers flashed like waving mirrors, waved by the slave girls in sport when the beauties of the harem riot, and dip their gleaming shoulders in the bath. He wandered on, lost in the gladness that lived, till the loud neigh of a steed startled him, and by the banks of a river before him, he beheld the horse Garavine, stooping to drink of the river. Glorious was the look of the creature, silver-hoofed, fashioned in the curves of beauty and swiftness. So Shibli Bagarag put up his two hands and blew the call of battle, and the horse Garavine arced his neck at the call, and swung upon his haunches and sought the call, answering it, and tossing his mane as he advanced swiftly. Then as he neared, Shibli Bagarag held the musk ball in his fingers, and aimed at the fetlock of the horse Karaween and flung it, and struck him, so that he stumbled and fell. He snorted fiercely as he bent to the grass, but Shibli Bagarag ran to him, and grasped strongly the tuft of hair hanging forward between his ears, and traced between his eyes a figure of the crescent with his forenail, and the horse ceased plunging, and was gentle as a colt by its mother's side, and suffered Shibli Bagarag to bestride him, and spurn him with his heel to speed, and bore him fleetly across the fair length of the golden meadow, to where Noona sat awaiting him. She uttered a cry of welcome, saying, this is achieved with diligence and skill o my betrothed and on thy right wrist i mark strength like a sleeping leopard and the children of aklis will not resist thee so she bade him alight from the horse but he said nay and she called to him again to alight but he cried i will not alight from him by allah such a bounding wave of bliss have i never yet had beneath me and i will give him rein once again as the poet says Divinely rings the rushing air When I am on my metal mare When fast along the plains we fly A creature of the heavens am I Then she levelled her brows at him and said gravely This is the temptation thou art falling into As have thousands before thy time Give him the rein a second time And he will bear thee to the red pit And halt upon the brink And pitch thee into it Among bleeding masses and skeletons of thy kind Where they lie who were men like to thee And were borne away by the horse Garavine He gave no heed to her words taunting her And making the animal prance up and prove its spirit And she cried reproachfully O fool, it is thus our great aim will be defeated By thy silly conceit lo now the greatness and the happiness thou art losing for this idle vanity is to be as a dunghill cock matched with an ostrich and think not to escape the calamities thou bringest on thyselves for as is said no runner can outstrip his fate and it will overtake thee though thou part like an arrow from the bow he still made a jest of her remonstrance trying the temper of the animal and rejoicing in its dark flushes of ireful vigor and she cried out furiously, How? Art thou past counsel? Then we will match strength with strength, ere tis too late, though it weaken both. Upon that, she turned quickly to the ass, and stroked it from one extremity to the other, crying, Kuraz, Kuraz, shouting, Come forth in thy power. And the ass vanished, and the genie stood in his place, tall, dark, terrible as a pillar of storm to travellers ranging the desert. He exclaimed, What is it, O woman? Charge me with thy command. And she said, Wrestle with him thou seest on the horse Garaveen, and fling him from his seat. Then he yelled a glad yell, and stooped to Shibli Bagarag on the horse, and enveloped him, and seized him, and plucked him from the horse, and whirled him round, and flung him off. The youth went circling in the air, high in it, and descended, circling, at a distance in the deep meadow waters. When he crept up the bank, he saw the genie astride the horse Garaveen with a black flame around his head, and the genie urged him to speed and put him to the gallop and was soon lost to sight, as he had been a thunderbeam passing over a still lake at midnight. And Shibli Bagarag was smitten with the wrong and the folly of his act and sought to hide his sight from Noorna, but she called to him, look up o youth and face the calamity lo we have now lost the service of karaz for though i utter ten spells and one spell in a breath the horse caravine will ere that have stretched beyond the circle of my magic and the genie will be free to do his ill deeds and plot against us sad it is but profit thou by a knowledge of thy weakness then said she see I HAVE NOT FAILED TO POSSESS MYSELF OF THE THREE HAIRS OF CARAWEEN, AND THERE IS THAT TO REJOICE IN. SHE DISPLAYED THEM, AND THEY WERE SAPPHIRE HAIRS, AND HAD A FLICKERING LIGHT, AND THEY SEEMED TO LIVE, WRIGGLING THEIR lengths AND WERE AS SNAKES WITH SAPPHIRE SKINS. THEN SHE SAID, THY RIGHT WRIST, O MY betrothed." HE GAVE HER HIS RIGHT WRIST, AND SHE TIED ROUND IT THE THREE HAIRS OF CARAWEEN, EXCLAIMING, thus do skilful carpenters make stronger what has broken and indicated disaster surely i confide in thy star i have faith in my foresight and she cried eyes of mine what sayest thou to me lo we must part awhile it is written said he leave me not my betrothed what am i without counsel and go not from me or this adventure will come to miserable issue so she said thou beginnest to feel my worth he answered o Was woman like thee before in this world? Surely tis a mask I mark thee under, yet art thou perforce of sheer wisdom and sweet manners lovely in my sight, and I have a thirst to hear thee and look on thee. While he spake, a beam of struggling splendour burst from her, and she said, O dear youth, yes, I must even go, but I go glad of heart, knowing thee prepared to love me. I must go to counteract the machinations of Karaz, for he is at once busy, vindictive, and cunning, and there is no time for us to lose. So farewell, my betrothed, and make thy wits keen to know me when we next meet. So he said, And I, whither go I? She answered, To the city of Ulb straightway. Then he, But I know not its bearing from this spot. How reach it? She answered, What? thou with the phial of Parawith in thy west that endoweth a single drop of it the flowers the herbage the very stones and desert sands with a tongue to articulate intelligible talk said he is it so she answered even so ere shibli bagarag could question her further she embraced him and blew upon his eyes and he was blinded by her breath and saw not her departure groping for a seat on the rocks and thinking her still by him Scythe returned not to him, till long after weariness had brought the balm of sleep upon his eyelids. End of chapter 7 Recording by Gabriel Glen